Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Sharpen the Point. I'm Brian Pellerin. He's Chris Tindall. I, I say he, like you can see him, but you, you can. It's a podcast. But trust me, he's there. He's Chris Tindall. Uh, it's episode nine, week eight of the college football season, in case you're new, because we Got new listeners each week. It's a college football game and DFS picks podcast. We'll talk about 10 games. We'll talk about the DraftKings main slate and kind of give you Chris's perspective on that. So you kind of have an idea if you're new to DFS. It's worth sticking around. We we were on a heater, I believe, but uh, I'll, I'll let you explain that in a second. Uh, and as always, um, you can follow along. This podcast has an accompanying article. It's on TomAlgNation.com. Um, just look for like week whatever, week I said a second ago, week eight DFS and pick game picks podcast. It should be there. Uh, and remember, if you are betting or playing these picks, do so responsibly. Follow your picks to own risk. We're just guys with keyboards and headphones and microphones, all that fun stuff to say. Um, you know, have fun listening to us. If you follow us, great. And it works out great. If it doesn't, don't get mad. And, you know, be your own free thinker. That's basically it. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for dealing with our early recording last week and my random meanderings like I just did. Uh, I know last week I was busy with the travel and, and concerts and everything. So we did a Thursday pod released on Thursday instead of a release on Friday. Um, but we're back on Thursday now with you get a Friday release. So excited to be back with that. A little maybe closer to the weekend sets our DFS back straight. But uh, I like to start with what went right, what went wrong. Chris, I like to go DFS first as well. I believe you did not win the $100,000 last week. I know I sure didn't. No, uh, I would say the best summary would be on Friday night. I dropped a 305.72 score. And during the main slate, I don't think I had two teams that combined for that score. So (laughs) we made our money in every other slate last week and just failed miserably. So that's, that's my bad. And we'll, we'll get it back together. We didn't even have a highlight. I was trying to go and do a recap and I was like, no, there's, there's nothing to highlight here. So it's just, you know, let's have the memory of a goldfish, like Ted Lasso would say, and, and we're going to move on. Yeah, I was sitting at a restaurant last weekend in, in in Baton Rouge before the LSU game, watching the noon games happen. And I was like, well, Florida State looks good. Keon Coleman, that one lineup I put together with the two of them looks good. And uh, I don't think anyone else in any of the lineups I put together did anything that was notable. And I was like, well, I um, guess I'll just take the L's and just start drinking for this LSU game. Uh, speaking of my picks went pretty well, seven and three last week, which is a strong effort after whatever that nightmare, I think three and seven or two and eight, I put together the week before, uh, I'm back up to 37 and 40 on the year. If you take out my two and five week zero, we're 35 and 35 overall, which is what we like to see split it right down the middle. And I can't really complain that way. Uh, quick recap of what we saw in those games last week. So we kind of can use that going forward. I'm going to start with Florida state because they were the only noon game that mattered. Uh, offense looked just fine without Johnny Wilson rolled right through Syracuse. Um, I think Johnny Wilson's expected back this week. I don't think Syracuse was much of an opponent. We can talk more about Florida state in a bit. Um, Cause they've got a bigger game this week with Duke, Texas A&M's offense was a real letdown, but so was Tennessee's and ended up being a really gross game. I, I, I didn't come away with being impressed with really either team in this one. 
No, they were both just pretty terrible all the way around. Joe Milton's looked horrible. There was some discussion this week that Joe Milton could get benched. I think there is a high probability in that. And A&M, like we said, once once Beegman went out, it was it was just a nosedive of the offense. Yeah, they just they just don't look good. Um, they don't look explosive, and it's 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 what I kind of expected from a Max Johnson led team. Um, sure feels like a big make or break end of the season here coming for Jimbo Fisher because uh, a few of the national writers are talking about the seat getting hot and AM feeling fairly confident that despite the 77 to 83 million dollar price tag left on that buyout, uh, them rich Texas donors ain't scared because they see Sarkeesian and the Longhorns doing well and they feel like Jimbo's had six years and it just ain't happening. Well, and that Sarkeesian team is coming to play them soon. So that's a whole added pressure in that situation. Yeah, it, it feels like this is going to be a very interesting few weeks for A&M. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it came down to this LSU game at the end of the season. They're that uh, Thanksgiving weekend team where Either way, is is eight and four enough to save his job after paying him all this money? It'd be a third straight year where you don't even reach ten wins for all the money they're giving him. I think I saw earlier too for the for the FSU people listening. I mean, he, he had a ninety five win percent percent win percentage with uh, Jameis. I think he's sixty eight without him. Sixty eight percent, sixty five percent. That's just not good enough. It's just it's overrated. Is what it is. It's it's you you are propped up by Jameis clearly. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that benefit but to the benefit of florida state fans i do not think they'll go back to the well because what doesn't work <laughs> once those texans will not want to go back yeah I, and i i think mike nerville likes what he's building and uh i don't know i wouldn't be terribly surprised mike nerville is a hot name but I, I can't imagine that's a thing that happens regardless oklahoma state looks pretty good uh took down kansas i i they were dreadful a few weeks ago, and they just looked to kind of be building into a solid team. I think you called it last week. The biggest thing they did was to avoid nepotism. Yeah, and now Alan Bowman <clears throat> looks pretty decent. Kansas, look, hey, it was Jason Bean week. You know, we figured <laughs> it out really was. When, when we tout Devin Neal, Jason Bean goes off. When we tout Jason Bean, Devin Neal goes off. So clearly we just can't get Kansas right. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about that this week. And uh, I think Oklahoma State is in a bad spot this week. And that's an interesting game playing at West Virginia. And that's a sleepy place where I've seen a lot of teams that had played well just not play very well again. I almost included them on, included that game on the slate this week. I ended up backing out in favor of the Clemson-Miami game because of the ACC audience on, on TomahawkNation.com. But yeah, that was one I I, I I had on there as that'll be interesting. Um, I, I guess we'll see. LSU dominated Auburn. I really don't have much to say there. That offense is just really good. Um, I, we kind of knew Auburn's offense wasn't very good, but LSU's defense is starting to look better each week. It seems like they're doing less thinking. Um, something to watch. They, they've got Army this week going to buy. Um, they might have a really interesting close of the season here, but – Especially most games at home, just the road game at Bama, which will be the big one. Uh, right. North. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think LSU looked, did their part and it was a normal game and we didn't really see anything out of the Auburn offense at per usual. But I think, like you said, all LSU's, the difference in LSU, they, they, the defense turned it around a little bit 
in the second half of that Missouri game. And that coincided with Harold Perkins playing rush end again and not trying to play linebacker. Yeah. And with the level that offense plays at, you, you don't need the best defense. You just need a couple of stops and, and let them to go score, which is kind of similar to what North Carolina needs. That second half against Miami was um, strong. They look very good. And, and it seems like we're on a Florida state, my North Carolina collision course. Tez Walker has been freed. He <laughs> dominated the second half of that game and was a clear, just monster target. I was very impressed by them. I think that was the guy that they needed so that Drake may, because Drake may started the year slow, started yeah. to come on a little bit in some decent matchups, but now he's got the guy he can rely on to make plays week in week out as a big time wide receiver on the outside the running game looks really good and they look it's very similar to usc to they they're slightly worse offense but they have a much better defense so it'll be a fun they've got a senior captain you know a top tier captain quarterback i think I, i would love to see a florida state north carolina game where they're both undefeated yeah I think that'd be a blast if an ACC championship game would be in Charlotte. Florida State's going to travel for that. They're not just going to let Charlotte be – let North Carolina just have North Carolina for what it's worth. I, I, I'm really excited to see them play. Miami, I'm really interested to see how the end of their season goes because it feels like that Georgia Tech loss is, is going to be one that just sticks around as, as more than just one loss, even um, – you know, we figured it would still ball into two, but I wonder how this piles up. Uh, we could talk more about them in a little bit when they when we talk about the Clemson game. Uh, pretty dead on on Notre Dame. Uh, we, we felt like they were going to be the team to give USC the fits that USC had clearly displayed. Something seemed off. If Arizona was giving you problems, if um, <laughs> who, who else gave them a problem? I forget right off the top of my head, but. And they've been um, struggling for a few weeks. I mean, Colorado gave Colorado was that second fits, half where it seemed know. to kind of go. Yeah, but and we kind of figured Notre Dame run game defense good enough to really give them a problem, and uh, Notre Dame really handled them. They don't seem to have the wide receivers to lean on that they usually that they have. Yeah, uh, like Addison was a Addison lean was on guy. Dude. Right now, Rice hasn't made that transition. Um, Singer was brought in to be that guy from Arizona, and he he is not that guy at all. Taj Washington played the role for a little bit, but I don't I don't foresee that you know that hasn't materialized into a full time situation. So they just they have weapons and they spread it around well, and they're going to continue to put up monster numbers. But the defense is is an issue, and great defense outplays great offense typically. The script for the Pac-12 appears to just be take the home team. Oregon State handled UCLA in that way, pretty dominant in that one. Um, that seems to just be what's working for me in picking these Pac-12 games. It's fair. I, mean, I think that's it helps when that team is arguably better in those senses. So yep. UCLA, very good team, good defense, run the football well, but – uh, freshman quarterback on the road in Corvallis isn't something that I want to put on my card. No, yeah, that one that one felt, um, I don't want to say easy, because none of these Pac-12 games seem to be easy, uh, but that, that one on the road seemed pretty straightforward. 
Uh, DJ, you played a good game, I believe, right? He had a couple of touchdowns again and, and mm-hmm. uh, not the best quarterback in the country, but again, one of those very solid quarterbacks in the country, the Pac-12 seems to have a ton of this year. Um, the best quarterback in the country was in the other game that they had in the Pac-12, and we saved this one for last. Uh, Washington gets the win. Oregon still looked pretty good in this one. Um, a couple of tough fourth down decisions there around halftime and then towards the end of the game and, and the missed field goal. Uh, but it is Washington who gets the win, and, and they're the ones who take the driver's seat to to go to the Pac-12 championship game. Wouldn't be terribly surprised to see these two teams play again. Um, man, I, Washington answered it. I, I thought Oregon's defense plus the run game being better than Washington's would carry over, but, um, you know, the Huskies had answers. Their their offense showed up, uh, the Washington specifically, especially when McMillan went out after about one snap. Uh, that was a big loss, but Polk played great. Wide receivers all all stepped up. I don't think Dylan Johnson did too, too much. It was really relied on the arm of um, Penix. So yeah. that was a – it was interesting. Their defense did not play particularly well. I felt like Oregon let them off the hook more than the Washington defense won that game. It looked like what I expected, which was the Oregon defense would play a little bit better and Washington more or less hit big plays. Oregon would march the ball down the field and they just didn't finish it off a few times. Yeah, and that was the part that I, I, I find really interesting was I came away almost still thinking Oregon's the better team despite the final result, at which I, I kind of hate because I want to give the credit to Washington. I feel like they've earned it. Um, but my fear becomes we do a lot of mid-October crownings in college football, but there's a lot of game, a lot of season still to go and i'm worried that uh anointing washington right now is probably not the end result i'm sure they've got road trips here i'm sure they've got tougher matchups because they haven't really seemingly none of the pac-12 teams have really played each other those top end ones we've seen a couple here or there but there's still a bunch still on the schedule to go um and it's not just anointing teams because uh you flagged me on this one the the heisman odds right now are also really interesting Penix jumped to a minus 130 and that gives us a pretty big opportunity. Yeah, and he should be the leader in the clubhouse. I just felt like the disparity between him and the field was way too much. Uh, currently, he does have the best numbers, and uh, likely it, Bo Nix would be in this same position if he had won it. The The problem with Penix in this situation is, is he's played Oregon. That was his really only tough game that he's played so far, and he's going to put up monster numbers. But realistically, with two losses, he's probably going to be out of this situation, out of the running. And they have to play at USC. They get Utah at home. But still, that's by far the toughest defense in the in the league. Oregon State, they have to go to Corvallis, which we just talked about how difficult of a place that is to play at. And then they have to play Washington State. Now, they get Washington State at home, but it's still a rivalry game. So that's going to be a tough situation as well. All of those present opportunities where they could easily lose games. I know Washington State's looked abysmal. I mean, Cam Ward could not have looked any worse the last two weeks. And I think he'll bounce back. I think we'll see that bounce back this week against Oregon. I think he'll have to throw it and he'll continue. He'll play better. But if we're getting Dylan Gabriel at 10 to 1, 
I think he's going to put up video game numbers similar to Penix. He's been running the ball a lot. Penix doesn't run the ball. So that gives Gabriel a little bit of an extra boost. And they have a real clear shot to they're easily should make it to the big 12 title game and a rematch with Texas would benefit him a lot. Uh, plus uh, 12 to one Jordan Travis, obviously on one of the best teams in the country is his numbers going to boost him. I, I I'm hesitant to believe that he could put up big enough numbers. He would need the other guys around him to falter in order for that to happen to, in my opinion, because I don't think he's going to run enough and he's not going to score enough. It's too balanced of a team. And then Drake may at 18 to one is, is really a nice, nice value because he carries that team. He's, he got off to that slow start, but they have a tougher schedule than FSU does late in the year. So he has an opportunity where he could carry the team and get more Heisman moments. We'll say. Yeah. The Heisman moment is a, is, is, I, I hate just the narrative of it, but it's true. Like it's it's a real thing is to have the Heisman moment. And the other part is you really can't have it too soon. Mm-hmm. We get we that you know, within a college football season, there's so much time you can get voter fatigue just within the year. Uh, you right. know, similar to what we saw in the NBA with Jokic last season. Uh, in January, we were February, we were having conversations about three-time MVPs, is he good enough to win three times? And then you just end up talking yourself into Embiid over the final two months of the season. Um, yeah, that and, Jokic, well, but... didn't, well, that and people didn't want to vote for the same guys who had won it over the last four years between Giannis and Jokic. Yeah, well, you end up in a spot in college football where, where obviously the names and faces are different every year, so you don't run into much of that overlap, but that's where it becomes in the same season. As you're having the conversation each week, each week over and over again, you're like, you know what? I've said Michael Penix too many times and for the value you've got on the board. I mean, one Penix turned ankle and I'm not out here rooting for it or anything, but I mean, it is college football and there's six weeks left. It's not like, you know, a a turned ankle or something doesn't change it. And it's not like it doesn't happen Um, to have this many really good quarterbacks who are putting up ridiculous stats at more than plus 1000 is it's kind of crazy, and and uh, you texted me, and I ended up putting three bets in. I didn't go for Gabriel. Um, I, I worry about Oklahoma's stat numbers, and 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 that way, uh, I also think they'll probably lose to Texas in a rematch later. Interesting, because Gabriel's my favorite. I yeah, really think Gabriel has a a legit shot to win this Heisman and wrap it up. It's more or less, yes, he's going to struggle to get the the Heisman moment, we'll say, but I think most of these teams are so flawed that they'll drop games down the stretch, whereas Gabriel just continues to win and his numbers will be big enough that they overcome the fact that they're not playing a close game late in the year. Although he does get Bedlam last week of the season, last time that they play Bedlam, and that game always goes crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like I like that. And and that's so let's say they lose in Bedlam and then they play Texas the following week. That could be where he gets buried. That could be back to back losses there and he's done. Right. My personal favorite is Drake May. Um, I agree. I think the value is great. That that's why I, I put the three because I the way I look at it is is you could bet on any all three of them and you're which, still coming out ahead. So I took three. I bet three. And the three I bet on May, Jordan Travis. And I bet Jaden Daniels. I I am still in the point where I the numbers he's putting up is dumb. 
And the LSU defense is bad enough where they're going to keep doing it. I think they've got Bama, which gives them the spot at a Heisman moment. They have Florida, who I think is bad enough to continue putting up big numbers. Texas A&M secondary, you and I have talked about being very suspect, gives you a window to put up big moments, big numbers. If he's got stupid numbers going and they they run the table and they make it to Atlanta against Georgia, I I could certainly see him being there as well. He's plus 1,400. I don't think he's my favorite of the group. But again, if you're looking at, for me, Jordan Travis, uh, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, I really like, like you talked about, one of the three probably takes it home. And I'm putting down like, you know, 30 bucks with a chance to clear over 200 with any of them winning. Right. And and the way I look at it, too, is Travis and May, you want to pair together because they kind of correlate to one another. Right. If they both make it to the ACC championship undefeated, you're winning either way. Yeah. Because one of them likely it likely wins it right it, in that situation. If they get to play each other in that situation, it, it's going to pay out for you. It's just a difference of opinion where I, I, I have a buffer, right? If Oklahoma loses a game, I still have a legitimate chance to win that. Whereas my concern with Daniels is he'll probably put up monster numbers, but if they lose another game, does neighbors sit out? Does Daniels sit out? Does somebody not play the rest of the year because they're out of any sort of contention to win anything? Yeah. I mean, and and I don't think there are many other guys, like you'd think like, well, I mean, there's also tons of other guys who could end up winning. Uh, If you go further down the list, I I feel like Caleb's shot here is kind of over. Um, JJ, JJ McCarthy is the only other guy in this window that we haven't talked about, but, um, he's going to get like, eaten into because of Blake Corum. So that's like, why they like they're... stealing signs. No. Okay. That's a big, that's a fun scandal there. I, I will, I'll leave it alone. No. I mean, my, my concern with the Michigan guys are they well, take away from one another. There's two of them in the top 10 sitting here and, and right. odds so... are, that, that's a problem. Voting typically is regionalized, so that's why two guys from the same place are going to struggle for one of them to advance. They have to really pop, and Corum hasn't been his usual self, but McCarthy's never going to put up big enough numbers. Yeah, so then we reach that plus 2,000 range. McCarthy's plus 1,000 for what's worth. We reach 2,000, plus 2,000, it's Caleb Williams, it's Bo Nix. Then you cross 3,500 to Carson Beck, who I do not believe is that guy, especially now with Bowers out or what is either rumored to be two weeks or the rest of the season, depending on who you're reading. Um, I think it depends on what their record is when he's healthy. Yeah, well, that too. Uh, Drew Aller at plus 5,000 at Penn State. I, I just don't think his numbers are where they're going to need to be to get there, even if Penn State beats Ohio State this weekend and rolls through it. Jalen Milrow, I can't imagine they're giving it to a guy who was benched earlier this season. Uh, Quinn Ewers, maybe? If he Texas could, runs the table, I I, I just don't see it. The operative word there was runs because Jonathan Brooks has arguably been more important and better. Yeah, and then you start getting into guys like Michael Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., Sam Hartman. You kind of just run out. You run out of guys at the point. Like it, it's going to be one of these first probably six guys. There is uh, not a running back or there's not a skill player that has put up good enough numbers. Bowers would have been the one because he was a tight end. So he'll get a little bit of extra leeway and he was getting about 120 to 130. I think they started feeding him more 
banking on they could get a Heisman candidate out of him. That's now over, so we're out there. And and ultimately, nobody's put up big enough numbers. Like, I remember Brandon Cooks, when he was at Oregon State, was putting up just re- absurd numbers. It was 150-plus receiving a game. He wasn't even getting sniffs, but he was. it was electric. So I, I don't think we're going to be there with a skilled player. So it comes down to a quarterback, and quarterbacks on good teams. Bo Nix is not out of it yet. Yeah, and he's, he's in that plus 2,000 range. Um yeah, apologies for the quick aside. We don't really do a lot of Heisman odds talk, but it's interesting. The, the window is there for an opportunity, so we figured a lot of you who are listening to this probably also are uh, connected to to the rest of the gambling world, so we figured we'd pass it along. Um, if you're in a legally gambling state like I was in Louisiana this weekend, take advantage of it while you can. Uh, moving on to the games for this weekend. The biggest one is in the Big Ten. It's Penn State at Ohio State. Penn State is a four-and-a-half-point dog here. Um we have a mutual friend, Andre, if you're listening, you're not. Um, I texted him earlier this week to get his thoughts on this one, and he told me I'd be an idiot if I took Penn State because um, it's just not a game James Franklin wins. They're, I think I had it in the article, I think 3-13 and 13 in the last seven years against top 10 teams. None of those wins have come on the road. But Penn State has been giving Ohio State a game every year recently. Um, and I like Aller more than what they've had. And I also think Ohio State might be the worst version of Ohio State we've seen in recent years. I, I, I'm calling this, I, I feel like my gut is leading me away from my head a lot this week. And I just like Penn State here. And I, and I, I, I again, it's, it's my head says, well, it's Ohio State. And it, my friends who are Penn State guys say, yeah, nope, that's stupid. Shouldn't be Penn State. It should be Ohio State. That's the way to go. And I'm still sitting here going, I feel like Penn State. Interestingly enough, I'm going to say Ohio State wins this game. Penn State covers. Yeah, I feel like it's close. It's a three-point game. I think it's a field goal, a field goal game. It's going to come down to that. I think Aller's just good enough. I think McCord's bad enough. Yeah. it uh, Harrison is going to be the difference in the game. If Henderson plays, it's interesting, but I still arguably Penn state has better running backs, a better, definitely a better tandem at this point. But uh, I wonder if their one a is better than Ohio state's one. A I believe that's possible. It's going to, it's going to really be a a thing where drew Aller is going to need to perform because both these defenses are very good and, I'm not exactly certain what the team to what's the total in that game. It's got to be. I like feel like 40. it's got to be low. I think it's it's 47. It's 47, and I would probably take the under. It feels like a like a 24, 20 21, 17, 21, something weird. 18. Something weird. Yeah, like a weird game. So I, I would expect something on the under and Penn State to cover. 17, yeah, and the, 14. The matchup I like too is the is that Penn State secondary very long, very athletic. Uh, I feel like we saw from Notre Dame just kind of clamp Marvin Harrison Jr. and let the other guys do their best against you. Try and make McCord find them to beat you. Penn State's capable of doing that. Uh, Speaking of games that I feel like an idiot for, uh, UCF plus 19 and a half at Oklahoma. You just talked about how much you love Dylan Gabriel. I initially saw this and said it's an Oklahoma for me. And then I was like, why couldn't UCF backdoor cover this? And I walked away hating myself. But with Plumley back, 
I don't hate it, and they're coming off a bye. I feel like Oklahoma with an extra week to sit around and be proud of itself for beating Texas could come out sluggish. I'd like it. And again, my head says it's an Oklahoma boat race, and I go, well, I guess I'm an idiot. I'm taking UCF. I will believe that Plumlee's returned when the clock says zero and it's in the fourth quarter and he's finished the game. And he's actually finished the whole game. (laughs) Yeah. So I spent the entirety of last season not believing in Oklahoma, fading Dylan Gabriel the entire season, loathing any time that I wanted to play Marvin Mims. And I feel like this year I've jumped on the bandwagon early. I'm riding Dylan Gabriel, and it's a revenge game, sir. We have revenge. It's true. That's true. And a Heisman candidate. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But maybe it's a little chip for Plumley. I'm taking Oklahoma. That's fair. By, I, I by a by at least twenty four. See, and look, here's another one. Right? Anyone know anything about Air Force besides yep. that Emmanuel, Air Force undefeated? Emmanuel Michelle's the starting running back. Very nasty. Yes. 5,800 on DraftKings, good play. He gets about 30 carries a game, has upside for four touchdowns in the game. He can run for 200 yards. But uh, their quarterback, Zach Larrier, is out this week. They both run the triple option. It's going to be a slowed down, grinded out game. Air Force is just better at everything, um, including being a soldier. But no, kidding. Sorry, Navy. (laughs) Navy will root for you when you play Army, but not against the Air Force. Well, so I'm actually on Team Navy. Um, and again, it's it's the same reasons. I started looking into Air Force, started looking into Navy. Army looks better. Stats say our Air Force is better. I was like, you know what? Rivalry game, triple option to death. Why wouldn't I just take 11 and a half points in a home game and just go with Navy? Why not? I think so that's here fair. I, <laughs> I do think that's very fair. I think it's very fair because in reality... What team knows better to stop your offense when you run the triple option than the team that runs the triple option? And Navy's not just going to walk out there and just get smashed by Air Force, right? They're they're like, no, this is no, we 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 are the Navy and we do not lay down to the Air Force. Like, right? <laughs> that's they, it. Don't they work together? Like, well, yeah, but you know that, that's like you know you and your brother or you guys are rivals, and it's just how it works, right? You know, it's going to be like, well. Yeah, we work together on the same team. It's just when we had to fight each other, I'm going to beat you. Like, I'm just not going to just lay here and take. You couldn't take off without our ship. That's right. You need you need you need our ship to take off in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Maybe that's what with a with Tennessee's offense needs because they got nothing. I, I I can't go Tennessee plus nine and a half at, at Alabama as much as I don't like Jalen Milrow and and Alabama. I I'm not concerned. I think Alabama wins easily. Tennessee sucks. Squirrel White continues to disappoint. You know, I just want him to be good so bad. Well, his name's Squirrel. That kind of name. I know. I want it. It just feels great. You know, it's almost – it's right up there with Louisiana Tech's to Coldest Crawford. Best NIL NIL deal of the year was he got an NIL sponsorship from an AC company. (laughs) Oh, man. That's also with uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry at Alabama. Yeah, I mean it's ideal. So we're we're gonna go with Alabama. I, I agree. I think Joe Milton could get benched this week, and that's a big concern for me. Yeah, it, here's the next one that I think is kind of gross, but I I I'm here. I think Auburn might beat Ole Miss, and I think, I think you spent too much time with your wife. I think Auburn sucks. I watched them play last week, and I think they're terrible. 
I think she but the two now the two games that Ole Miss has played on the road, Tulane, who's good. That's a that's a good football team. Um, that was down to the wire, and Tulane was without Michael Pratt in that one. Um, and Tulane without their quarterback took them to the wire, and the other one is uh, oh is the Bama game, which Bama was coming off that horrendous game at USF where they looked totally incompetent. They had benched uh, Milrow. Then they reinstalled him for the Ole Miss game, and Jackson Dart just laid an egg. Um, obviously, part of that is Alabama is clearly better than Auburn, and I won't make any mistake about it. Uh, but Auburn at home made Georgia look pretty bad. Um, and I just feel like this is the one we've been waiting for the Jackson Dart egg-laying game that just kind of blows them up. I just feel like this is a prime spot for it. It, it just feels like, to me, the number also felt like a trap. I, I didn't really understand the number here. It's just, I, I don't know why I like it. And yes, my wife went to Auburn. as part of the discussion last week. But they sucked. I watched them in person suck for an entire game, and I was not at any point scared of what Auburn could do against LSU. I feel like at home it's a different story against Dart, who I don't trust. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I <laughs> A healthy Quinshawn Judkins. That's just, a big difference. Just makes me want to say, okay, even if uh, – how many points can Auburn score? Even against Ole Miss, because we, you just saw them against an arguably – Worst defense in LSU. So yeah. Ole Miss's defense slightly better, maybe a point. Tulane is far better than Auburn is. Tulane would beat Auburn. So I, I have I, a feeling... I think so. But so why, why is the line six and a half? I, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it's sense. Gotta be, it's got to be too much respect. Yeah, I was operating off the fact that I could make sense of it if it was 11 and a half. I had, but... I had 11 and a half in there still from last week, and I was like, that number's wrong. I had to go look it up. It's six and a half. That, that's... I, hey, you know, you know what the funny part is? When I was right, so you had written this up, and then I went in and did my DFS plays. I saw you picked Auburn, and it said 11 and a half, and I went, oh, it must be that. It can't be the six and a half. That's way too short. So it's I six and a half. It. I deleted the six and a half thinking it was 11 and a half. Cause I was like, yeah. there's no way he's taking only six and a half. Yeah, no, I I'm taking the six and a half and I think they might win the game. I would be willing to go money line. I just, I, something here is, is wrong and I don't know what it is. And that's I where I end up. It's the same thing with that, with that. Was it the, uh, the Washington state uh, UCLA game before I was like, something's wrong here. Washington state probably pass better. The smell test. It, it just, that it just not does pass it. the smell test. I saw six and a half and I went, that's it. Something. This is the dark game. The, the odds makers know it. This is the dark game. And and that's where I'm at. That's where I I'm hate at. being on the side of Jackson Dart. Yeah, no, I know. Isn't it gross? Isn't it's it gross? awful. It just feels uh, nasty. Speaking of gross numbers, Duke plus 14 and a half at Florida State. Riley Leonard, question mark. Riley Leonard's not playing. I mean, even if he does play, it's a high ankle. He's not going to be mobile. The most important part of little Daniel Jones is his mobility. <laughs> so if he's not mobile, what is he? It's like he, he can throw the ball a little bit, but it's not, he's not a pocket guy. It's that's not what's going to be a complete team like Florida State. Think about what would have happened against Clemson if Riley Leonard didn't have running ability. I'm totally out on on Duke in this one. I don't see a world where 
I, I mean, look, we talked on, on uh, the Seminole Rap podcast, if you listen to that one, all year about Duke being the team almost designed to give Florida State problems. I just don't see it. I, I With Leonard banged up, even if he plays, like you said, if he's not mobile, I, I just I don't see it. Florida State's just too 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 good. You you need to be you need to be at that level and, and Duke's Duke's just with without a one hundred percent Riley Leonard just not going to be. I get they beat NC State, but I, I told you last week I didn't think NC State had it. I didn't think Morris was the answer there and he wasn't. Yeah, it, NC State's not up to snuff as to where we expected them to be. You know, they ran a an advertisement on a commercial break earlier for that game for the Duke Florida state game. And all I could be was super disappointed that it wasn't the game that we hoped it was going to be. I, uh, I made my pick in that one. 31 13 is the score. I think that's fair. That feels about right. I I feel like Duke maybe gets a score, a couple of field goals, but I just feel like they're not going to be able to keep it within 14 on the road. It's a night game at Doak. I just, I don't see it. feels like a 17 to 20. Yeah, it, it feel it feels like that, and I'll take it. The possibility of Riley Leonard playing probably keeps it lower, low, uh, maybe two points lower. But yeah, I, I, I don't buy it. Uh, the other big ACC game, the one I mentioned earlier, Clemson minus four and a half at Miami. It's funny to see both teams unranked for this one. I'm sure that makes a lot of the Florida State fans listening smile. Um, I have been pretty impressed by the way Clemson had rallied from the early two seasons. Two, Early season losses, the two early season losses, I kind of expected them to be uh, in mail it in mode, and, and and they weren't. They they gave a couple of good fights here. Syracuse is terrible, but they dominated them. Uh, they're coming off a bye, I believe. I don't think Miami is ready to shake off the Georgia Tech followed by UNC things. I think that's just going to keep snowballing. And I believe I think I have this right. Mario Cristobal hasn't won a home conference game since taking over. Um. I have to imagine the handful of fans who do show up at Hard Rock Stadium this weekend will be none too pleased to see him once again. Um, the last time they were there, they lost to Georgia Tech on that disaster. So I think we can bet that he hasn't taken a knee at home in Hard Rock Stadium. Yes, that I can say for sure. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like if I have it, the last thing the coach did in front of me was embarrass me in front of Georgia Tech. Then he goes on the road and gets handled by Drake May, and our season is basically over. If you if you had just taken a knee against Georgia Tech, we come home and it's like, all right, this is a big game. And now it's like, well, great. Now I had tickets to this game I was excited for, and you've just kind of nuked it for me. I feel like they're quicker to turn against you. If this thing goes Clemson's way early, it may, it, it may turn into a mutiny in this place. There's a fickle fan base over there on South, in the South Beach, you know. it's yeah. uh, they, they like a winner, and if they don't have one, they're not coming. Yeah, I, I I don't think I, – I, I like Clemson. I like the way Davos pulled the team together. Uh, I've been impressed. I thought this was going to be the beginning of the end for Clemson. Uh, obviously, this won't be the year I think they're contending for the ACC title with the two ACC losses already. I don't think Florida State or do, or uh, North Carolina are getting those, but I, I, I like them in Miami. Um, brother, I, I just mentioned my rule earlier, right? Uh, the Pac-12 take the home team and move on. Why am I sitting here going Utah plus seven and a half at USC? You're hoping that Cam Rising plays, maybe? I don't even think he will. I mean, I, I'm, at this point, I'm not sure he's playing at all this season. I agree. I think he might try to get a medical red shirt. 
it just it just feels like Utah's defense is so good they're going to get wasted. I might see I could see Utah scoring Utah's defense scoring in this game and them just running the ball for four hundred yards and winning. So I don't know how much you caught of the box score of that game last week for Utah. I didn't Kyle, catch a lick of it, so I'll pull it up right so now. Kyle Whittingham did a Kyle Whittingham. And remember, we were on Jalen Glover a little bit. We were debating. Yeah, we were. You and I were texting that morning before yeah. I started. And then Jaquindon Jackson ended up getting 22 carries for 96 yards. Do you want to tell me who the guy who led the team in rushing is? <laughs> I, no, I don't want to embarrass. Sione Vaki. Vaki. Yeah. 15 he, for a buck 58 and two. Jaden so Glover, six and, for 12. So up until last week, Sione Vaki was a safety on the roster and they decided to try him at running back. And now he, th- this is the same script as last year when Jaquindon Jackson was a quarterback, they had running back injuries and they said, Hey, do you want to play running back? We can let you play there instead. Cause you won't start at quarterback for us. And now he's their starting running back and he's going to play. And I think that there could run ball for 50 times in this game. And Bryson Barnes actually looked okay. Yeah. 15 for 21, a buck 28. You don't have to do that much, but. Bittingham has just kind of had USC's number yeah. over the years. And it, it hasn't, it's not like it, it's been every game needed to be 20 to 17, 16, 14. They've won some games 38, 35 in these matchups. So Whittingham just, he, he does all the little things right. And you're getting a touchdown, more than a touchdown. I hate picking against them. It has nothing to do with the way Caleb Williams looked last week. I fully expect Caleb Williams to look like Caleb Williams this week. I fully expect it. I just have an unnatural trust for Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I just went with Utah. I feel like the defense can do enough against Caleb Williams. They can run the ball, and I don't think they're losing by more than a touchdown. This feels like a game where, like, they're going to have a double reverse touchdown pass. They're going to have something like a reverse on a on a kickoff return that they return. You know, it's going to be a Whittingham's going to pull out some fakes, and that's how they're going to manufacture some offense. Um, I probably should have looked further down the sheet before we got here, and here I am. Um, let's just go for it. So DFS time. I already, I guess, uh, made a fool of myself, so feel free to let me know why my decision on the UCF-Oklahoma game was stupid on your quarterback (laughs) choice. So, Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma, 9,300. Also my (laughs) Heisman favorite right now. Uh, Oh, he's not the favorite. Your your favorite My favorite bet. My favorite bet would be on Gabriel. He's the best value on the board to me. I like Gabriel this week. Six ninety three hundred is is a lot to pay. It's a revenge game, and I've talked to some guys, and I've also listened to some interviews with some other guys in, in pro sports. They actually do care and get up for a revenge game, and we don't get those too often in college. So it's going to be really exciting. Absolutely, not exist very often. Yeah, and then you get a guy who's playing his former team at home. And he has a shot to win the Heisman. They're going to condense down onto him more numbers 
and try to just feed him the ball, boost his Heisman campaign. It's good for recruiting. 42-point team total. I just don't see how he doesn't just go nuts. Like, he's had 25-plus fantasy points in every game this season, 35-plus points in half his games, 300-plus passing yards in four out of six, and he ran for 113 yards against Texas. I uh, I have to say my UCF pick didn't bank on this being a low-scoring game. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to need UCF to put up a ton of points, and I'd be fine with that from the standpoint that I'm going to have a lot of Dylan Gabriel because their running backs are – who knows who's going to get the ball each week. So I think it's really coming down to Gabriel's going to have to uh, strike a few times, and maybe uh, our nepotism friend at wide receiver will help. Your other quarterback is a name we had earlier this year, Curtis Rorick, Ohio. He's at 5,700. It's just, it's too good of an opportunity to be able to play against Western Michigan team that has given up four touchdowns to each quarterback it's faced in the last four weeks. So that's going to be very tough to overlook with a 33 and a half point team total. He's gotten healthier. Remember in week zero, we've talked him up. It was here week zero, week one. And he is coming off that knee injury facing a good San Diego State team. He's starting to turn it around. He had a bad game last week against Northern Illinois. But that's probably one of the better defenses in the MAC. So he's had 500 yards passing, six touchdowns, 60 yards rushing across the previous two games prior to the dud last week. I just think the value at 5,600 or 5,700 is too much. I think he's going to score 22 to 27 fantasy points. And that's going to give us our almost 4x to 5x value. And that's just too hard to pass up on this slate. So I put those two in as my building blocks. I move on. And what do I have at running back? Who's who's your top guy there? Jonathan Brooks of Texas. So at 7,400, they're going to be able to score however they want against Houston. Houston hurt me early in the season in that UTSA game because I played a lot of Frank Harris and Frank let me down. Jonathan Brooks has been on a tear ever since Baxter got injured. Uh, CJ Baxter, the freshman running back at Texas. And he has taken a firm grip on the RB1 bell cow role that B. John Robinson had last year. Brooks has 100 yards rushing in each of his last four games with 20 carries per game. He's no slouch catching the ball out of the backfield. He's had five touchdowns in his last four games. 42-point team total, I really think that he's he's a shoe-in for 20, in my opinion, and he has upside for up to 35. I like the high team totals we're targeting right now in, in our pay-ups, and, and it makes sense. That's, that's kind of how that would go, a high team total, obviously a, a, high, a, a good matchup in that scenario. And, yeah, I think Texas is kind of going to be able to score however they want against Houston. It's just yeah. – it's a fun one when Texas has a road game at Houston. We love the Big 12. That's right. Uh, this is old school Big 12 action right there, too. This feels like more of the high scoring than rather than that low stuff we were getting for a little bit. You get uh, Jermaine Brown Jr., UAB 6,200 next at running back. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites from last year when Dwayne McBride, who was the NCAA's leading rusher last year, got hurt. 
was Jermaine Brown Jr. He's a very good running back. We're getting catches and rushes out of these guys this week, and they play in a game that I believe will shoot out this week. UAB Memphis should be on our radar. Uh, Hennigan, also a good option from them as a quarterback at 8,300, but UAB-wise, we're going to need to look to run it back. Trent Dilfer, former Raven, uh, Super Bowl champion, Trent Dilfer is now the head coach at UAB and they're actually doing better than I expected on offense, but on defense, they are there. They have some problems on defense. Uh, We're going to talk about that at the wide receiver position, but Brown started the season slow because I expected him to take over the full role that McBride left. The new coaching staff decided to split work evenly His backfield mate tore his ACL two weeks ago, and the last two games he's had 75 total fantasy points. He had a 44 and a 31 in those two games with five touchdowns and 300 yards of offense. One of those games he had six catches for over 100 yards receiving. So if they're playing from behind against Memphis, they're going to throw the ball to him. And if they are ahead, they'll run the ball with him. And they've been in a ton of shootouts this year. I won't even waste your time stalling it. Let's go right to your wide receiver, Rock Taylor, Memphis, 5,800, and that run back. So he's going to run it back for us as the wide receiver one from Memphis. He's been a model of consistency this year with over 20 fantasy points and 100 yards receiving in each of his last three games. There's also his teammate is a good option, the Demir Blankamsey at 4,700. He is a transfer out of Toledo who excelled with Daquan Finn last year. I would call him the Robin to Taylor's Batman, let's say. He's come on stronger later in the year uh, right now as he's developed that rapport after transferring in. And you can play just one of them. You can pick one or the other depending on what you need in your lineup at that point. Or you could play them both stacked with Hennigan because – I believe that their star running back, Blake Watson, probably misses this game. And if he's out, it only makes these guys better. But if he's in, it still doesn't hurt you because these guys have been playing with him in the lineup and still succeeding. Yeah, I think I'm interested in both. Um, The question then becomes Memphis quarterback stack. Is that what you said there as well? Yeah, yeah. You got to play Hennigan. If you're playing on both, you got to play Hennigan at 8,300. And I think that that's an interesting way. I will play this at some point. The question becomes is that's where I'm fading Gabriel. That's kind of the lineups that I was thinking of doing was fade Gabriel then. And then I get uh, more spend up options, but I think you can also play Gabriel in that. It just becomes a little tighter pricing wise. I think you're going to have to end up sacrificing Brooks if I was to guess. Yeah, you probably would have to. Uh, your other wide receiver choices here, you've got Kyle Women, Wh- Kyle Williams, Washington State, 5,700. I wish Williams and Washington didn't want to wear him. I think I probably felt pretty bad about this one, considering I had to put a third guy in the write-up about him. <laughs> I, I really don't trust – I don't want to trust Cam Ward, but I feel like – I got to jump back in the boat. They throw the ball just way too much. I believe they're almost 70% pass volume, pass rate for Washington State. I just don't – and he's been catching balls like crazy as he's come into the season. He was a transfer from UNLV. 
I got to think Cam Ward turns it around and shows up for this matchup against Oregon because they're going to have to score or else they're just going to get destroyed. And for all of Cam Ward's faults the last two weeks, Williams still has 17 catches and 146 yards over those two games. And that's almost half the yardage that Ward's thrown for in those two games. So he's he's starting to come on. He's had basically seven catches. He, I think he had seven catches, eight catches, and nine catches over his last three games. And the third, the three games ago, he had seven catches, 140, 174 yards, and a touchdown against Oregon State, which is a very good team. So maybe we can get some more Oregon magic, magic out of him. And then your last note? Yeah, I, I had to put a qualifier. I, I had to note Rashad Owens. I, I ended up I, – I somewhat feel bad that I wrote up Jaden Bray last week and I switched to Owens late in the week and didn't end up playing any Bray um, because that's just the way things dictated with the pricing and some changes. But on paper, the matchup looks great playing West Virginia. Owens is is – priced way too low in for this matchup and over the last two weeks he he's he cleared 100 yards last week and he's had seven and nine targets the last two weeks i just have this sneaking suspicion that west virginia just controls the clock runs the football and oklahoma state just flounders in morgantown i could see it i mean Oklahoma State has looked good, but they've also been at home in those couple of games. Um, you know, how quickly do you how, – how well can that carry over in what amounts – I mean, it's a real road game. Morgantown is not an easy place to go and play a football game. It's not very close to Oklahoma State. You know, it's a longer road trip. Um, I, I, I could see that. I could also see – Owens being very undersalaried at forty eight hundred, not very, but undersalaried at forty eight hundred. Um, He's so going to be popular. He's going to be very popular. So taking a stand on him is going to be interesting. Like that might be a situation where you go, okay, I'm playing him in the cash game, and because everybody else is probably going to play him, and I don't want to miss out on that value. Or I think because I, I think him and Taylor are going to be a very him and rock Taylor will be very popular as far as pairing the two together. So I could see going blank fading Taylor fading Owens and adding another guy in as a, as a pivot. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I'm sitting here looking at it and if I don't go with both Taylor and blank and I tell myself, I don't want to go Owens. Um, I'm not sure how to build it. Um, so let's say I take out Taylor and I do go with Blankumsy in his place. I end up at fifty five hundred with a receiver and a flex left. Um, you know I don't know with fifty five hundred in two spots. I mean I'm not taking guys at fifty five hundred themselves. Maybe Isaiah Bond has looked better lately. Ooh. Or Bama. I, I don't really love that. I don't. You love... know who was interesting to me was Tulu Griffin. Uh of Mississippi State, the wide receiver at 5,500. He was very interesting to me. I I, I started, I'll, I'll tell you right now, my my initial lineup had him in, uh, and I was very interested in him because he's had some really good games. My concern with him is that I don't know if Will Rogers plays in that game, and that also leads me to 
if Will Rogers isn't in that game, I'm very interested in Mike Wright, the quarterback there, who was the former Bandy quarterback, because he can run. And against Arkansas, Arkansas has been giving up some points. So it's interesting. Like there's a lot of ways to maneuver that. I I might have a I will, I'm probably going to have exposure to Griffin at some point. I also the only time I've played him this year was when he had seven catches for 256 yards against South Carolina. So I'm a bit jaded. Like uh, I, I have a positive spin on him because he hadn't cleared 83 yards other than that. Um, I mean, other guy. I mean, like I see Sanders is in here. He had a buy. I, I, I couldn't imagine maybe going there in a game where maybe Texas doesn't need to do that much coming off of that injury. Yeah, Raheem, Raheem Sanders is out. Um, Jordan James would be interesting. He's been the constant in the Oregon offense. Now with uh, we played, I played him a little bit last week, so he's been a constant in the offense. That kind of leaves you that fifty six hundred for a wide receiver. I mean, that's where you end up on Montulu, um, because all the other fifty six hundred dollar wide receivers aren't good. I mean, this slate's very interesting from the standpoint that I like it because it's got smaller teams and smaller, like smaller name teams tend to not get played as much. Javon Baker would be a good one for you. Uh, the UCF wide receiver, he's an interesting play. He's more of a big play threat. Kobe yeah. Hudson could be something similar uh, from that team. They, they're both interesting options. Uh, Womack. Oh, Actually, I'm gonna touch on this guy because I, I am interested in him. And I I the matchup it's gonna say that the the matchup's the sixth ranked defense against the run. And Ohio is a good run defense. <clears throat> Jalen Buckley was a guy that stood out particularly to me. He plays for Western Michigan. He's 5K. He stood out to me. I need to do more research on him, but he's consistently been his worst games are usually right about 15 points and his best games are about 30 points. So he's interesting to me, especially because of the PPR aspect. He had four catches last week. He's had, he has a catch with three uh, game with three catches. It looks like he's just kind of been, he has two games this year where he had 30 rush attempts, 190 yards and multiple touchdowns. So that's, he's interesting to me. I I think that there's something there. I don't know what it is, but there's something there that I kind of might have a little bit of exposure to here and there. Yeah, I I I, I can see that. I'm looking at his game log now, and I feel like that's. I guess I'd have to look at at the opponents on the Ohio side to get a good feel for how good that run defense really is. Um, yeah, there just uh, doesn't seem to be. If I could really hmm. just it out there i don't see there's anybody that really wows me this week as so, like a a, a changing so let me a, tell a, you a ca- i guess a casual fan smash spot i feel like this is one where you've got to be a little bit smarter on how you're using your money this week yeah yeah i think that's what the key is right like you're always gonna this is where you're gonna find your find your advantages typically are these type of slates where you get this Ohio Western Michigan game. Now the field's gotten smarter, like we always say. So they've faced San Diego state, Iowa state, Bowling green, K 
Kent State, uh, yeah, Kent State and Northern Illinois with probably one more game in there. I'm just looking at somebody's game log. And FAU. I wouldn't call any of them particularly good. Uh, I would be most interested in that Iowa State line, probably. That would probably be the, the most interesting one. I don't I, – because I know that I, – I very well know San Diego State's – and they played LIU Brooklyn. That game was 10-7 to against uh, Iowa State. So I don't think we're going to see much there. It's – yeah, I mean, they had the quarterback had the most carries with nine, so they didn't have they didn't do anything. Something was weird was going on there. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting slate, and and I'm curious, you know, where where the value will come from because there is always value, and it just seems like it's going to require an extra level to find. I like what you're talking about. The UAB Memphis game feels like one of those. The UCF Oklahoma game feels like another one of those. Yeah, Texas, maybe that's just – I mean, they're going to put up a number. Is that the run game? I, I'm not sure you'll trust viewers to put up a huge number in that one, so maybe that's just it. It is just take the run game and go for it. Um, and maybe that's the spot where Rourke be, is the guy who, who sets you apart, you know, because if you figure people are in on Gabriel, people are probably in on um, – Hennigan. Hennigan's Hennigan. had 20 20- – Hennigan's had 25 points per game every game. He's been very consistent. I don't think the ceiling's there for Hennigan. So that's why I think Rourke can get there for 2,600 less. Yeah, and, and I think that's where you're going to end up finding it. So one more time from the top, the the, the DFS plays Dylan Gabriel, 9,300 at quarterback. Curtis Rourke, 5,700 also at quarterback. Running back, you got Jonathan Brooks of Texas, 7,400. Jermaine Brown Jr., 6,200 at UAB. Rock Taylor, 5,800 at Memphis. You can also go with Demir Blankamsey, 4,700. Kyle Williams, 5,700 at Washington State. You also got Rashad Owens, 4,800 at Oklahoma State. And there was one other guy you mentioned at 5,000. Buckley, uh, you were Jaylen at least, Buckley. At least I, I, moderately you, you need to do some keeping an on eye that. on there. Yeah, but Just someone to moderate, consider. Moderate someone interest. to look at. Uh, and one more time, my picks top to bottom are going to be Penn State plus 4.5, UCF plus 19.5 gross. Navy plus 11 and a half, uh, Bama minus nine and a half, Auburn plus six and a half, gross, Florida State minus 14 and a half, Clemson minus four and a half, and Utah plus seven and a half. Um, it feels like a gross week, but I feel like the gross weeks end up always delivering in some weird random way. And I think it might be just be that Auburn game. That just feels like the weird gross one on this slate. I don't see weird grossness anywhere else. That number just feels wrong, but we'll see. You can laugh at me next week. It's fine. Wouldn't be the first time. Won't be the last. Let's just hope that this week, uh, well, if Jackson Dart fails, I know you're rooting for that. Oh, that would course. be good for you, but I- I'm just hoping that we can get back to this four out of the six of these plays being good. Yeah, we, we were on a roll for a while, and last week was our first dud, but uh, yeah, let's get back on it. Let's have that roll this weekend and make the people happy, so... Uh, hopefully you and I have got plenty to smile about next week when we can get together and do it again. So uh, until then, for Brian and Chris, later, y'all.